Season two, episode one of the I Love Lucy show aired in 1952. It's an episode called Switching Jobs. And in it, there is a two minute portion that is one of the more famous and memorable scenes in all of television history. Already some of you know what I'm referring to. Those of you who attended Virtual Coffee on Wednesday, uh, we watched this. It's that scene where Lucy and Ethel, they go to work in a candy factory. They're set up in front of a conveyor belt and the boss tells them that as pieces of candy come down this conveyor belt, they are to grab each one and be sure and wrap them so that they can be sold. If they miss any of those candies coming in front of them and they go off the end of the conveyor belt, the women are fired. Well, you better believe they did their level best to wrap each and every candy coming down out of the conveyor belt. And at first it's going fine. And then that belt speeds up just a tad. And now the candies are arriving one after a number in such numbers they can't keep up. But they are sure to grab each one and they start throwing them down their shirts, in their mouth, bulging cheeks, throwing them in the hats that they are wearing. And, and the audience is laughing riotously at this point. They're hiding the candies anywhere and everywhere they can to hide the fact or to maintain the appearance that they are keeping up. They're maintaining some sense and semblance of success, even if it's just starting to look ridiculous. Well, eventually, some of you, you've seen the scene. The boss, she returns. She glances at Lucy and Ethel, sees no chocolates have fallen off the end of the conveyor belt. And, and she says, well, fine, you are doing splendidly. Speed it up. And now the conveyor belt moves at this ridiculous pace. The women are in absolute frenzy trying to hide the chocolate anywhere and everywhere on, them, on themselves. The, 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 the audience has lost it again. Yeah, as funny as the scene is, it, it, it really is an apt picture in some ways of the problem the people of God face in the book of Exodus. You, you may recall the people of God are in slavery in Egypt to Pharaoh, and every day they are tasked with making bricks. So this is their conveyor belt reality. And, and then one day Pharaoh actually tells his taskmasters, you're no longer to give these enslaved people straw to make bricks, the resources to make the bricks. They have to go find the straw themselves. And he said, but keep the brick quota the same. In other words, it's going to be double the amount of work. Keep the same quota. Talk about speed it up. As we said last week, no wonder that the, the fourth commandment, this commandment to have rest, one and seven, uh, would have been so striking to the people of God. But before we get too far with the fourth commandment today, I think it's worth sticking with the I Love Lucy clip a moment longer and, and asking an important question. What is it that makes that particular clip so funny and so familiar to so many, even nearly 70 years after it first aired? And I think it's this. Like all truly good comedy. It tells the truth. How often it really does feel like much of life is this conveyor belt of things coming towards us that, that must be dealt with or something bad will happen. I mean, it may be as ordinary as the endless flow of laundry and dishes, maintenance and chores. It, it may be the never 
ending emails and text messages or social media posts that we need to respond to or, or feel we really should respond to. And goodness, if that isn't, they speed it up of the days when all those correspondences were handwritten letters. And maybe for some, uh, the conveyor belt is this constant demand of, of parenting and, and, and work and, and, and church. And, and, and look, all those things are really good things. That's candy coming down the conveyor belt. But, but it can be a lot. It can, it can speed up. For some, it may be the bills that keep coming down the conveyor belt in the sense that they will not be able to take care of this if this thing speeds up even a little. For others, it's, it's the expectations coming continually from others that they have for you, and those come to you in all these small ways over and over. And then there's another level uh, where, where this conveyor belt feels so true, not just maybe with our individual experiences, but also in the way our society operates. I mean, the, the advent of the internet and social media has meant information and news and, and entertainment is continually flooding through, through our phones, our TVs, our computers, our tablets, our vehicles, almost demanding that we do something with them, or at least discard that, keep that, trust that, don't trust that. We live in a society that is ever producing more that we might purchase more, or at least purchase the latest update, the, the newest model. And if you, if you try to hold out and say, you know, I don't need the latest and the greatest. If you, you try to hold out, you, you find yourself suddenly holding a device that mysteriously moves much slower, runs less quickly. The software updates are not as readily available for it so that it might run right. The, the charging apparatus has become ancient. It almost demands that you find a way to pick up the latest and greatest that is coming down the conveyor belt. We live in a society where we all know the pace of change has been incredibly fast, and that was before the pandemic. I know for, for many who are older, this has at times been absolutely overwhelming. But the truth is, even for folks who, who get excited about all the change and the latest and the greatest, there are so many, older and younger alike, who are terrified at the pace and worry regularly about how to keep up, how to adapt, how to do the latest thing you're supposed to so as to be relevant, so as to be employable. And we live in a society where... The best way to, to, one of the best ways to look successful is to tell others how busy you are, how full the plate is. Standing strong right there at that conveyor belt, handling, juggling all things just fine to all appearances. That scene in I Love Lucy is really funny because it is really true. But let me add that while I think many of us probably do and can relate at some level to Ethel and Lucy at that conveyor belt and dealing with this and that, what I think gets less attention in that particular scene is there's a third person there. Someone who can actually do something about the conveyor belt dynamic. The boss. 
right? The boss who sets the women to work and then leaves and then comes back into the scene and tells them to speed it up. She is really the one in a place of power to truly do something about the conveyor belts slowing down or speeding up, firing them, giving them a rest. And now we're drawing back quite near to the fourth commandment. Because the fourth commandment is spoken to a people who are in the position of the boss, who are in a position of power, who have a sphere of influence around them and can affect the situation. Listen to how we hear it from Deuteronomy. Observe the Sabbath day, six days work, one day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, nor your sons or daughters. Okay, so we're, we're directing this to the heads of the families, the people in positions of power, nor your sons and daughters shall do, nor your male or female servant. Okay, we're talking to people who have the means and authority to have servants. Nor your ox, your donkey, or your animals. Okay, we're talking to people who have the means and ability to have and own these various animals. Nor any foreigners residing in your towns. Okay, so we're talking to the locals, the established, the people at some level with some measure of power because they are local. In other words, you who have authority, influence, power at some level or another, you rest and, and you ensure they rest. You release from your work, you ensure they release from their work too. You receive the Sabbath and you give the Sabbath. This really, in some ways, goes to the heart of the passage we heard from Luke chapter 13. From his position of power, Jesus is giving release to this woman who is otherwise bound. In our world, with so many trying to keep up with the conveyor belt in any myriad of forms. What does it look like to be a people who take seriously this commandment to give rest, release, Sabbath? I spent a summer as a in college as an intern for the youth group at the Presbyterian Church I grew up in in Cincinnati, Ohio. I served under the youth director there, Brian Shockey. Uh, there was one other intern, Linnea. And on the very last day of this internship, Brian had the three of us sit on a park bench to do our final review of the summer together. Now, I'd done maybe a review or two at this point in my life. I kind of knew what to expect. Let's, let's talk about how you did, juggling all the things coming down the conveyor belt, some of the things you expected, some of the things you didn't expect. How'd you do, handling it all or not handling it all? Well, we get to the park bench, and, and Brian, he pulls out a pen and paper for, for each of us, and he says, okay, here's how this review's going to go. For 15 minutes, we are all going to write in silence all the ways that we saw God alive and at work through one another this summer. So I wrote about all the ways I saw God in and through Brian and in and through Linnea that summer. They did it likewise for me. And honestly, I remember at first thinking to myself, this was a terrible idea because now there's, there's no space for him to tell me how I could do better. Like, learn from how I had juggled or not juggled all the, all the things. I really wanted to talk about the conveyor belt. Brian wanted to talk about grace. 
And you know what? To this day, I still have those letters from Brian and Linnea. And do you know why? Because Brian used his position of authority to pull us from the conveyor belt and show us the gift of being loved not for what we had done or hadn't done, what we had accomplished or where we had failed. He'd shown us the gift of being loved for simply who we are as animated by God. What a gift the Church of Jesus Christ is when we take seriously not only our call to receive rest, but to give such grace. And I think we consider what it, we can consider what it looks like to, to give others rest one day in, in seven, as the commandment articulates, much like Chick-fil-A famously does, right, for its employees. But, but also, I think we can consider what it is to give the gift of rest, this gift of grace, in, in a pervasive manner on any day, at any time, in any way, as that conveyor belt is ever moving. In the fourth commandment, it helps us. It points us directly to a host of different people in our spheres of influence who we might consider could be given such a gift. Your sons and daughters, it mentions. Our children, our grandchildren. Many of them piled under a a weight of conveyor belt expectations with related to to grades or schools they get to go to or, 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 or athletics or arts or jobs. What is it to give them rest. To give space and time to communicate the most important things. You are not loved to the degree that you do or do not do something, the degree to which you accomplish or, 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 or you fail. You are God's beloved as you are. And goodness, in this time where so many parents are, are working from home and also teaching and doing school at home, what does it look like to give the grace of rest to them. Nor your ox, your donkey, any of your animals. How often we forget just how near and constant the gift of creation is all around us. And, and what does it look like to be a people who are not ever pressing for its resources, its food, its habitations? I mean, even down to the nitty-gritty of dietary choices or transportation choices, there are ways to consider our part in granting rest unto God's creation. Nor any foreigners residing in your towns. Uh, These would have been the folks most vulnerable in the community because they're outsiders. They have no family to fall back on, no social safety net, no economic safety net. They, They really are living life from the most precarious place. These then are the people for whom that conveyor belt has second or third eviction notices or credit card debt with incredibly high interest rates growing every month, or slurs or prejudicial attitudes in continual motion toward them, or continual questions within themselves about where they're going to find a new home, a new school for their children, work for the bills as they escape violence in their own countries. Or or, or these are some of the folks both afar and also quite near for whom the pandemic has made food access all the more scarce. What does it look like to give genuine rest?
Loving others not for what they have or have not done, how well they've navigated the conveyor belt or haven't navigated, but simply because they are God's beloved. This woman is a child of Abraham. Thanks be to God for the stunning amount of Super Bowl donations that, that you all have made, for Super Bowl of, of caring donations you all have made as you seek to be a people who, who provide a, an abundance of food and, and, and therefore seek to be a people who give rest. As we ask these questions about all these different groups, I'm mindful we don't ask them as people who are better or somehow above anybody else in these situations. We ask these questions as a people with profound empathy because we remember what it's like to be bound and to be overwhelmed by the conveyor belt and delivered therein. Again, listen to the rationale we hear in Deuteronomy that's unique from the Exodus version we looked at last week. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there. Remember, it's in the ongoing tense. Continually, habitually remember the times when you were enslaved. Remember what it feels like to be held by, trapped by, consumed by the conveyor belt. Remember it. And then also, remember when God, through Brian Shockey, delivered you unto an experience of genuine grace. And then also, remember all the various ways, times, that God has delivered you unto rest, unto release, unto Beloved grace, the church that remembers their stories, they look upon one another and they look upon this world not with judgment, but with profound and deep empathy compassion. And in that church, they long for others to know the gift of God's grace in Jesus Christ that declares to every person that stands before and under even the conveyor belt, you are not your work. And you are not your lack of work. You are not what you can multitask, and you are not what you have let go at the end of the conveyor belt. You are not your greatest successes, and you are not your abject failures. You are not your job title, And you are not your deepest shames. You are not the names you have been called. And you are not the hurt you have given. You are not what you think you deserve. You are not what you don't think you deserve. Your worth, your giftedness, your beauty... They have nothing to do with what is on that conveyor belt and how well it is juggled. You are God's beloved, forgiven in Christ Jesus, beloved as you are. In Church of Jesus Christ, our words and actions are ever in the manifestation and extension and an extension of just that grace. As people in the position of the boss, at some level, in some way in our lives, we scan our workplaces, our schools, our volunteer organizations. We scan our own family. We scan God's creation. 
We scan for those genuinely living most vulnerably and precariously before the elements this very day. To whom is the Holy Spirit calling us to give rest? Ah, what does such grace look like? Perhaps we start by remembering our own stories. What what did it look like? And what then could it look like for another? Amen.